Welcome to episode 23 of 115 Miles. In this episode, we dive into the rollout of the vaccination, which takes us into a conversation around COVID. That takes us to a discussion around the value which we place on different lives. We look at government and how there seems to be some sort of shift within government and journalism. We pick it apart, we argue, we discuss, and in ever 115 miles fashion, we're bringing the conversations that people are desperate to avoid. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do make sure that you have left us a review on the platform that you use and come and join the community at 115 miles pod on Instagram. We really hope you enjoy this episode. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. So forgive me if I sound a little bit asleep, I've been waiting in the Zoom room for Hass who... uh, was late today, so we're, we're we're not a day late or anything like that. We're just quite quite a few minutes late. Uh, do you want to? Should I give you the opportunity to tell them why 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 we're late, Hass? Or no, Hass is still running off of a a, a Macintosh. You know the the old green ones, the old bubble. <laughs> with the green back. What do you, do you mean? Them? I'm using a typewriter, mate. What? <laughs> do you remember them Macs when they first came out? They were like a bubble yeah. with the green back on them. Yeah. Well, they weren't the first ones. You're showing your your youth here now they uh they like the first ones were like a, a box they were like a massive i think what they called a macintosh one or something like that right well Hass is still running off of that anyway which just led us to a conversation about why he won't replace it um why won't you replace it Hass? i'm gonna replace it let's just get that out of the way but what we were just talking about was the fact that i find it difficult to spend money on myself yeah uh, even though there's kind of a justified reason for it, I I have to validate it over and over again before I spend money. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm the same as well, right? I, like, I have to like really convince myself that whatever I'm replacing is literally at rock bottom and is starting to hold me back in life. Otherwise, I won't replace it. And it's nothing to do with uh, not having enough money. I always say if my wife or any of the kids come to me and we're like, I need a new one of these, I'd be like, yeah, buy it. No problem mm. in doing it for other people, not for myself. Why? Why is that? I, 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 I mean, I think it's, um, for me, it's partly around. Uh, I'm going to sound like a martyr here, but you know, you want to make sure that there's, you know, uh, you put your kids and family and other people around you first, and then you know, you pick you pick up yourself afterwards. It's probably something around my upbringing as well where you do like you run it into the ground it's got to like not be working before you pick something else up so my laptop isn't as old as uh uh josh says here but (laughs) (laughs) it's like stone age um uh vibes but you know i think the the uh it, it occasionally goes wrong but not enough in my mind for me to go oh let me make the purchase however this is what this is work. This is what I do, I, and I rely on it as a tool. So, it, it's just a it's just something I need to get over and, and get a new one. Yeah, preferably before the next podcast. Maybe 
Yeah. Will can you, you contribute the, half Can you not see the hurt? You know how face? you always you just said that you you put other people first. So if I come to you and say, "Will you pay for half my laptop?" <laughs> will you pay for it? <laughs> I think I would actually. I would probably I know you would. the amount of time I waste waiting around for you because it's just crashed. I think true, it's, but the, but 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 you owe me so much for all the mentorship, so you're always going to be forever in deficit to me. So oh, arrogance, which which, which I hate. <laughs> you sounded like David Brent there, which I hate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Okay, well that's a good place to start. We both have a terrible relationship with money, um, which we might actually end up talking a little bit, or very healthy. You know, like, like we're not, you know, we don't go crazy with the spending. We're cautious. Yeah. But, Risk averse. Yeah. But I think we, I'd like to sit somewhere because what I do is actually similar to what I do with food and everything. Yeah. Like I can be a little bit unhealthy with food in that I won't eat, I won't eat and I'll almost eat nothing. And then I crash and just eat like crazy. I can yeah. do that a little bit with money. Where I don't spend anything, don't buy anything, and then all of a sudden I'll go erratic and mm. like buy a lot of things, like stuff for my bike of late. You well, I mean, don't you tend to normally um, go the other way and and buy something really cheap, and then it falls apart as you're riding it, like the bike that you bought from that. <laughs> yeah, and then I end up from spending that crazy more. Lady. I end yeah. up, actually, I'll just uh, just to let you know, uh, uh, big business story here. I sold that bike in the end. The, the one that I ended up buying for eighty-five pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I sold for seventy-five pounds. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I loss. gave it to him for Brilliant. seventy because he didn't have a five-pound note. I said keep it. So I think you know the use I got out of it from a business perspective. I feel like I done well. I feel like when I reached the level of like Alan Sugar. My story, when I look back, will be like, I used to buy and sell bikes. Bikes and make a loss on them. <laughs> make a loss on them. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you used it for a little while, but you still made a loss. That's not a big, you know, thing that you should be brandishing. No. As no. a brilliant ba- uh, business story. No. Okay. You made a loss on it. Okay. Yeah. Good point. But the bike that I've got now, which I, by the way, I fell off last week. Yeah. Badly. Injured. Have you recovered? The bike had to go into the shop. Because it was all mangled. I came off very fast around the corner. In a week's time, you can sell it for a loss. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have, you'll have a great story for the next podcast. <laughs> so, Hass, where are, I just had a look on the, the, the vaccine counter before I came on. And it's sort of ticking away. I don't know if you've seen it. You can look at it on one of the news platforms. And it just sort of is like every time a vaccine's been done. And it's up just over 6.5 million vaccines now have been, ad- pretty good, have been administered. Uh, I think most people over 80 years old have received the vaccine now. So my, look, my first question is, did it hurt and do you feel any different? <laughs> um, it was um, extremely painful and I, I recommend that uh, you don't do it. Have you seen Arnold Schwarzenegger having his first vaccine? I haven't, no. And he says, do you want to stay alive? Stay with me. They're filming him through the... He's having it done through the car window. And how old is he? Old. Aren't he? He's old, he? mate. Oh, wow. He's got... 70s? Got to be in his 70s. Speaking of vaccinations, I don't have the guy's name, but did you see there was a Tory MP around in his 40s who got a vaccine? And he got a bit of stick for it because 
He's 40. Why did he get it then? Well, he was, apparently he was volunteering uh, at a health centre and it was at the end of the day and they have to throw it away apparently um, because it goes to waste. So he got one. But it's just bad PR, isn't it? Really? It's bad PR, but when you explain it like that, I mean, if they were going to throw it away... That's his word for it though, isn't it? He He probably threatened to take away their tea bag ration or something so uh, <laughs> so they probably he threatened he threatened them with with uh, a school 30 pound school lunch for the next three days yeah, if, they exactly. didn't, if they didn't give yeah. him the vaccine there does have to be uh, a small amount of credit I think for the way that the vaccine's being rolled out at the moment though I mean it, like I want to get into that must hurt you eh having to give credit to the government uh, <laughs> no it doesn't it doesn't actually it doesn't I get why you think that, but it doesn't. I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due, mate. I don't hold a grudge. You do hold a grudge, but <laughs> I, I, you will. <laughs> I do know that for a fact. But you will give credit where there's credit's actually, due. Actually, and there's a, actually. Let's do the vaccine first. We'll talk about that in a minute. What do, what do you think about the way that they're rolling out the vaccine? Look, I think, um, I think, you know, those numbers are pretty good. I think uh, it is an incredible. Uh, undertaking to have to do this uh, you know the turnaround at sort of you know the vaccines being available identified being available and into society at that sort of pace is pretty incredible I think it's is it the, it's the fastest in Europe is it like like in terms of rollout I think and, it is one of the the quickest rollouts yeah yeah so that's that's good but what, what we also have an extremely high death rate so they have to, basically. Yeah, apparently we have the highest death rate. Is it per? Must be per. Yeah. Capita. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Uh, you're getting us back to uh, mismanagement. Why do I think it is? It's just, it's, it's, it's mismanagement. It's, um, you know, I, I can't speak to as to why it's worse here f- for other countries because I don't know what they're doing, but why it's so significant is what we've talked about in the past. It's lack of clarity. It's too much flexibility, too much rigidity, mm. pushing people towards each other, then making them stay apart. Um, you know, confusing instructions. People don't know what to do. And so it just, yeah, it just sort of blew up. Did you see the, um, I don't know if she's like the minister for, uh, I want to say uh, for pensions. I think her surname sounds like coffee. <laughs> I'm not giving you much info here anyway. But she was on this. I saw it on Twitter. She was on this morning yesterday being interviewed by Piers Morgan. Yeah. And she, when he said, why have we got the highest death thing or whatever it is, the death ratio perhaps, yeah. Uh, she cited that it may have something to do with obesity and having a lot of old people in our country. Wow, okay. Now, I will caveat that by saying she was asked a question and she ex- she she did try to explore it, uh, obviously in a way that was avoiding a lot of the actual truth, but that's what they all do. Um, and then Piers Morgan did what he did, which was take what she said, make it, and just boil it down. He said, he asked her back. <laughs> So basically you're saying we have a high death toll because we have a lot of fat and old people. 
Yeah. And then she basically cut him off in the end. She was like, bye, Piers, I've got to go. And he was like, you're going to go. She was like, yeah, I've got to go. You've had 20 minutes and she just turned him off. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. That's the worst way to handle falling apart live on air. I was just checking. Yeah, her name is Therese Coffee. Yeah, so it doesn't it's even sound like coffee. on the end. It is coffee. It might be coffee. It's coffee. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. That'll be what they're calling coffee in a few years' time, mate. The hipsters, you're coming out for a coffee. 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 Like a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and avocado and toast. <laughs> oh, who eats your avocado on toast? Your breakfast, your breakfast of choice. Yeah. Whenever I have it, I put it on Instagram. So, like, once every three months. I'll you're have... not a cliche at all. <laughs> Born again man eats avocado on toast. And drinks coffee. <laughs> drinks coffee. I bet you long for those days, though, don't you? Being in coffee shops and. Snapping your breakfast. It's been a I long do, time. mate. I do. Yeah. But like, I do long for. I long for a lot, actually. And I want to actually. Let me ask you: How are you feeling? How are you managing? How are you coping? Like, how are you really feeling, Hess? But like, like honestly, and try to give me the answer without thinking about, you know, sounding like you're being ungrateful for what you do have. Tell me, what? what how are you feeling about it? Um, I, okay, so I think I, um, honestly, my, I feel ambivalent. I feel like I'm just, I'm not freaked out about it and I'm not excited about anything. I'm just ambivalent. It's just, um, just getting on, getting on with work, um, Focusing on what needs to be focused on. We've got three kids downstairs that need schooling. Um, I'm not really... Uh, there's all this sort of swirl about a new variant and it's, you know, it's it's um, so much more contagious and it's so much more deadly and all this no sort of stuff. No proof of that yet. Can I just No proof it? of that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, but... And, and and I'm just like not buying into it, you know, so I'm just carrying on at some, and because I don't know, say, because I can't look to June and say, okay, in June, we're going to be able to do something. There's, you know, or you start going out or going back into, you know, into, you know, commuting or traveling or whatever. I'm just getting on with it. I'm just staying in the moment. I'm staying present, I'm, you know, and, and the only future gazing I'm doing is really, it's like with, with my team and we're focusing on the business and what we're, you know what we're doing working with clients doing the same and that's it and do you pull that um, off all the time um i mean look it's early days isn't it it's only it's only the 26th of jan so i would say that the first couple the first couple of weeks the first week of jan i was miserable i just i, I wasn't feeling it mm. it just felt you know i felt you know sluggish having had some time off if christmas felt yeah it was nice hanging out with the family but it felt different this year um and then, and then it's just been really busy and just focusing on stuff. You know, ask me again in um, in a few weeks' time, I might have a different answer. But right now, I'm just like getting on with it. There's just there's there's no really really um, negative energy around it, you know. Um, and there's no super positive, excited energy about what the future might bring. Which sounds really like fence city, but that's it. That's how I'm feeling. Fence city. I just made that up, isn't it? Oh, that's a good word, though, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's a little bit like two words. It's a little bit like bounce back ability. (laughs) That's a good one too. Did you make up? No, I didn't. Shall I tell you who made it up? Matt Hancock. Sounds like a Matt Hancock. No. Ian Dowie. Ian Dowie. Ian Dowie. So bounce back ability. I think went in the dictionary after Ian Dowie was manager of Crystal Palace. And he kept repeatedly saying when they got relegated or if they were going to get relegated, we need to make sure that we have some bounce back ability. And it got coined and is used. I know that because a lot of people use bounce back ability when I do resilience training. And so Mm. I wanted to find out where the word came from. Actually, that makes it sound like I researched it. Someone might have told me in a webinar, actually, that it comes from Ian Dowie. And then I went and Googled it. Ian Dowie is just as good looking as you are. I want to play you something. What? Ian Dowie is way more good looking than you. Thanks, mate. He scored one of the greatest ever own goals for West Ham. Go and check it out. I want to play you something. It's three minutes long. Have you heard okay. this by Sir Charles Walker, MP? Have you heard it? something. No, have oh, you heard it? You were gonna, you were gonna play me something. Yeah, well, I know. have you? I'm telling. Oh, geez, I, thought, <laughs> I thought your laptop had froze for a minute. I thought if I lost him, he's just looking at me. No, when I, I haven't heard it. Okay, no, I haven't heard Let it. Let me play it okay. to you. Okay, it's three minutes long. Okay. Speaker, I, I can't support this legislation tonight. I can't support criminalising a parent for seeing a child in in the park over the coming months. It's not within my DNA to do that. But, Mr. Speaker, of course, I will. I will follow the law and and respect the law. You have the argument in the House of Commons. You divide. You're on the winning side or the losing side, and I will be on the losing side. There is no no doubt of that. But I do not wear the fact that I will support um, the law with great virtue, because it's so easy for me to comply with the law, isn't it? It's so easy for most people in this house to comply with the law. We're comfortably off. We live in nice houses. We have gardens. We have outdoor spaces. We have access to family. The same applies to those journalists who who fill our TV screens every night with their wisdom and wit about how people should comply with these regulations and how they sneer at those that can't. But Mr. Speaker, Mr. Deputy Speaker, the next three months are going to be really, really hard for a lot of people, a lot of people who don't have my advantages, my advantage of a monthly salary, a monthly pension payment. These are people who are going to be worrying about their jobs, about their future, about their mental health, about their family relationships because they will miss people terribly or they will be in very small environments where apparently they can only leave to exercise once a day, once a day, and then Sadly, some of these people are going to break and it's going to be too much for them. And that is when we in this place, the journalists up there with all their privileges, instead of sneering and dismissing them, instead of calling them covidious, should show some compassion and understanding because we should wear our advantages and privileges with great humility. I don't want to hear from another constituent who's having a good lockdown. I'm really pleased that you are, but my voice is for those who aren't, 
for those of my friends and neighbours and constituents who are struggling day in and day out, whose mental health is not in a healthy state but has deteriorated, who are wondering how over the next few months in the middle of winter they are going to cope with this. So in my remaining remarks, can I just ask colleagues, can I just ask people out there who were so fortunate to show some compassion and understanding for those who are not so fortunate? Hey, hey. Uh, aside from the fit of giggles that sort of came in in the middle because we were... Um... Uh, we were sort of doing a weird gaze at each other while he was talking. We've never, we've never, we've never, um, I've never played, I've never played anything. Uh, that long. And then had that awkward thing where we've sat there for, uh, I don't know, three minutes and listened to something else. What do you think about what he said? Uh, someone needed to say it. Someone needed to say it and someone, an MP needed to say it and... Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, we talk about privilege and, you know, often privilege, you know, is talked about particularly around gender, around race, around uh, kind of religious beliefs. But we don't talk about it enough as it relates to poverty, I don't think. Mm. And it's definitely, it's definitely prevalent. The reason I, you know, you asked me to say how I was feeling and not to overly worry about. No, 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 no. Yeah, and and, and I, I don't think you were like being privileged. No, no. Saying. Let me let me finish, mate. Let Go me on. finish. Let me finish. And the reason I can say that is because I do. I have a house. I have work. I have you know mm. a business. I got you know um, food on the table. Uh, I've got you know kids who are clothed and fed and I don't need to worry about all that stuff. So that's why I can be ambivalent. Mm. And if and if I was uh, in the same circumstances as some other people, you know, f you know, friends of mine or uh, people that, you know, the MP was talking about, <clears throat> I, w I sure as hell wouldn't be ambivalent, mate. You know, I sure yeah. as hell would, I would be feeling very, very differently. I get that. So it's true. Yeah. And it needs to be said because you know the 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 press the media pol politicians they all benefit from it they benefit from taking a a strong anti position on it because the press sells more um and mp's um uh you know they they pander to a particular part of their constitu constituency or or mm. their party or whatever right um so i think um in, yeah, it needed to be said. What party do you think he's from? Uh, do you know? I would say the way you asked that. Oh, okay. So I thought he was Labour. Mm. But I reckon he's probably Conservative. Yeah. Party. I think the biggest clue for the fact that he's Conservative is that he's um, going against this current government. He's yeah. he's He's being in opposition to them. Yeah, I I I I think from that standpoint, by the way, Labour are letting us down massively. There's no opposition government at mm. the moment. Mm. There's no opposition government. Mm. Like whether you think lockdown is right or wrong, or the measures that are in place are right or wrong or whatever. Now more than ever, 
we need somebody who completely opposes everything that the government are doing because that's how you put them under pressure. If you don't have an opposition voice, you do not have uh, freedom. <laughs> and I mean, that might sound kind of extreme, but it. I'm less ambivalent, by the way, about the lockdown that we find ourselves in, particularly just because um, of the impact that I see that it's having particularly on my my children like my four-year-old who can't go to school and my and my wife who's out there day in day out trying to homeschool them and stuff like that um we are comfortable but but it, i feel really really uncomfortable and this is not about let me just actually before i say this because i think people are really struggling with this in this current situation um i believe the virus is real I believe that we should be wearing masks and socially distancing. Um, and I know that this is killing a lot of people and it's really tragic and not good. But I'm also extremely uncomfortable with the amount of power that it's giving to those in power. Um, and the amount of power that it's taking away from those who don't have power. I'm terribly uncomfortable with how rich it's making the rich. Apparently the 1% have risen by 1 trillion I read somewhere recently since um, since we since this whole thing came about, right? So I'm hugely uncomfortable with that. And you have to question if we're living in current circumstances where the powerful are retaining more and more power, which is a, that's a fact, right? Mm. They now can pass these laws quickly, where they can make anything criminal law with barely any opposition. It's also a fact that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. It's a fact at a way faster rate than what normally happens. So if that is the case, which it is, that's fact. That's not debate. Are the people in power, the ones who hold the power over how quickly we get through this, really that keen to get us through it that quickly? Now, that's not a massive conspiracy theory. That's not a massive conspiracy theory. And I'm not saying that we're living in a state where they're keeping it in, us in it on purpose. But they're living very comfortably, receiving more and more power. One has to question. One has to question the impact that that's having on the way that we deal with this. Um, I think... Uh... I mean, I think there is a disproportionate amount of power. You know, it's a bit like wartime. You you, you assume these powers and you say that you're in a wartime government, so you get to kind of do all these mandates as they, as they have done because it's for the greater good. So there's definitely something there. Um, the opposition needs to be more vocal. Yeah, you know, like, what's it? Where Where is, where is the shadow government? Where's the shadow cabinet? Where's... Keir Starmer, you know, they, they spent last week talking about how woke Biden was. And then the, the news cycles got, you know, got had Lisa Nandy talking about what she meant by that and why Boris Johnson wasn't woke. And there was a whole weird kind of chain of events that where they started to try and dig up, you know, stuff around her and what she said in the past. And that's just a, a waste of time and energy. She should be focusing on the right things. Um, you know, the rich have definitely got richer, fact. The government is more powerful. It's assumed power. It's taken power. Um, I don't know. 
I don't know whether it's you know it's in, intended to 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 slow down the kind of the the vaccination process or the recovery process because as as much as there is you know there are kind of they they have sought power the economy is in a freefall you know and it will be and there are huge huge job losses so there's an impact to that it doesn't benefit a government to have such an incredible level of unemployment that's about to happen or such significant recession and there are going to be costs to it so they have to get the economy going so whilst i see some of what you're saying the the economy cannot stay in stasis it, it cannot so it has to it has to move forward and um so I don't know. I don't know about that last point, but I mean, mm. I, I agree with all but the, the other but stuff. But the people in government, regardless of the state of the economy, they won't lose out financially, will they? Uh, again, that's the a massive assumption. Will. So yeah, I, uh, yes, and you you don't know. I mean, I can't paint them all with the same brush. Um, of course, there are going to be people that uh, don't suffer as much as the majority, but that's always the case, whether you're in this or not, there was always going to be. Yeah, that no, situation. there's, there's definitely that, like, that is true. And I, like, I've got to be really clear. I'm not suggesting that they are like all having meetings and going, we need to slow this down while we get more money out of it. I just, if we were ran by people who were poor and knew we needed to get through this as quickly as we can in the best rate, Right, I would imagine they would have more vigor than somebody who is getting funded a few hundred thousand pounds every couple of months from from his local landlord. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is the difference. You know, the, you know, the Labour Party at least has people that have connection to what it's like, uh, what life is like. Um, mm. I was going to say on the streets, but you know, <laughs> on road, uh, you know what life is like. Whereas I think the majority of, you know, people in the Conservative Party don't come from humble beginnings. Um, is that an assumption as well, though? It is an assumption, yeah. Because I think, but I bet we could, I bet we could, we could probably validate that and find the figures quite easily. But I do yeah. think there's a big, there's a really strange shift going on in the left and right and the way that we look at politics. I think this thing in the last year has brought like a real, it's blown everything out of the water in that um, I am as left as they come, right? But I've yeah. found myself in the way in which I view some of the things around the pandemic uh, being sort of almost right-sided in, in, in their viewpoint. Now, um, the way in which this very right-sided government are going about things actually feels quite left-leaning. I mean, if you, if you go back, if you went back five years and said, we're going to be in a conservative government who are going to shut down the whole economy to look after vulnerable people... You just said it won't happen, right? So that's, I think that's strange. You know, when you look back at like radical, what was seen as a radical idea by the radical Jeremy Corbyn of everybody should have their a, a right to Wi-Fi and it should be free, right Wi-Fi for everyone, doesn't seem very radical anymore, does it? Mm. Right now, do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Let me ask you another question, right? 
I read the other day, I'll give you a couple of figures that, that I read online. Don't get them wrong, Josh. <laughs> yeah. If 13% of 13% of people don't make uh, New Year's resolutions, no. Uh, I can't remember the exact figure. Oh, I mean, well, you better. It's about, it's four point something. So let me say 4.4, that might be wrong, but four point something million people every year that is globally that number 4.4 million people every year die as a direct result of smoking and alcohol yeah uh smoking is taxed in the uk as is alcohol alcohol is advertised on every tv advert you see yeah uh 4.5 I think it's 4.5 Ash no wait a minute wait a minute that's wrong. <laughs> wrong I can't believe you gave me so much shit last week for actually getting my numbers right that, you didn't understand that them. number and now I you're wasn't bringing... going to bring this up so I haven't written them down oh good 11.6 11.6 million people globally a year die as a direct result of smoking are you drinking. sure 100% are you sure 100% sure so 11.6 million globally yeah. Globally, die is a direct result of smoking and drinking. Do you know like the difference between the two, or is it just an an overall? But that's number? an overall thing for them. Okay. Uh, for and then it's four point something million. I think it's four point five, but I could be wrong. It might be four point one. It might be four point nine, or somewhere in between. Four point something. Yeah. Four point something million people die from air pollution. Globally, yeah. every yeah. year. Yeah. What is it about those two lots of life? that make them less important than the lives that we're currently losing to COVID? Sorry, I don't understand the question. 11, let's say, let's take the first one, 11 point something million people die every year. Oh, I see. Okay, I get you. 4.5 million people die from air pollution. Yeah. What is it about those lives that mean they've gone largely ignored in terms of how we react to them? Hmm. Right. Well... Big business, firstly, right? So uh, there's 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 the tax you get from um, there's the tax that you get from alcohol cigarettes and, and alcohol, yeah, right. But there's also there's there's the you know that's just the tax from the sales of it. You've got taxation on on who they employ. You've got marketing. You've got you know brand stuff there's a lot there's a much bigger economy than just the tax that you get from it so that's one thing mm-hmm. um there's a massive you know both the benefits of those two industries the beneficiaries of those two industries have incredible lobbying kind of um infrastructure so you know that there, there's a lot of influence on governments and governments mm-hmm. uh, sadly are influenced through whatever whatever means whether it's opportunities post-government life or or actually cash you know in the guise of other things that sort of stuff and then you know air pollutants will be car manufacturers will be uh you know um uh you know will be uh, energy kind of providers coal oil all that sort of stuff um, and then it's about consumption. So I think that's a huge part of why it is um, 
not dealt with in the right way. And then the other thing I would say is there's probably a, a, a societal thing that happened as well, right? Which is, you know, there was a fear that this thing was, you know, was like the plague and it was coming and it may have affected old people and there was a fear and I think there's just a residue of the incredible fear that swept the the globe in part one and what they saw happen to the NHS, you know, in part one, which I'll call last year, has there's left there's been a residue of fear left over. Mm. And so that's it. They're worried about, you know, the NHS creaking because the NHS was coming into its most critical period. Why? Because it normally does anyway around this time of year because of the flu. So people die anyway. And, and no, so they're no, worried no, about what happened last time. It comes into its critical stage because it's underfunded. Okay. Oh, okay. That was the question. That may be the case for sure. Yeah. But it is still, you know, a, mm. a, a, a good problem is still a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, it's still a problem, you know, like whether it's been underfunded or not, it's still going to uh, creak. And so I think there's there's some of that. I don't. No, you won't get anyone to admit that it's be- they're trying to protect old people. I think there's obviously, you know, something, you know, deeper than that, which is, um, uh, which is uh, that just the, the government just, you know, for, for the longest time just didn't know how to get itself out of this. Right. So that the, the last bit kind of explains, I, I actually think the last bit is a way, is, is, is stuff that they could use. Um that kind of makes sense. I think the first, so it's not that I'm suggesting that COVID lives don't matter, right? And that, uh, that, that we shouldn't be trying to save them. I just, until you gave your first answer, which I'm going to go into in a minute, I've struggled to work out why we haven't done this for other things. Why we haven't done it for the epidemic of people dying special from interest. addiction. It's called special interest, yeah. So what it comes down to, like you said, is power again. If we tried to stop alcohol addiction, people in power would lose out. If we tried to stop air pollution in the way that we should, people in power would lose out. But we can stop the COVID deaths while the people in power remain in power and we stop the poor people and those who hold very little power in our societies. So is that is that more like the answer? I just, you know, this the, like place where we're at now, where we're shutting everything down to protect vulnerable people. I I just re- one of the things I really struggle with is understanding why we've never done anything like this before for vulnerable people. And I know at the beginning you can say like we thought it was going to be like the plague and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's not like the plague. We kind of know that now. And I know that it's running out of control and it's putting huge pressure on the NHS. I think maybe now is not the time, but eventually there needs to be a proper conversation about the impacts of the funding cuts that we've done from the NHS and the, 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 the impact that those have had on the strain on the NHS and how it's almost become not fit for purpose. And this is why politics... I just, I'm going to challenge you on that because you've always said, you just said maybe now is not the time, but you've always said uh, now should be the time. Yeah, but, Now is definitely the time. No, no, you know, I think but, it but, is the time. Yeah, yeah. 
maybe you know you know we should be talking about but you're right like opposition should be talking about it yeah 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 but all it is like you know there is there is there is not enough scrutiny of the government and then as soon as scrutiny happens the government will say that 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 the other side is trying to take play politics with lives uh, lives and then they scare, get scared and retreat and it's and then it just gets played out in the media yeah so and just it ridiculous. just becomes like it's a really strange and bizarre time you know i mean one of the flaws that we have i think in western culture anyway is is the way in which we can't we don't we, we don't talk politics we're taught don't bring politics up so we've never really learned to have proper conversations around it and then people who are trying to oppose uh what's going on and to try and go against it in the way that's needed you know to become an you need an opposition right that's how the the freedom remains are being labeled as like dangerous unsympathetic uh and there'll be people that listen into what i'm saying thinking that i'm being like that too um but i'm not like I, 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 we should. I, I'm all for saving vulnerable people, and I think we should do everything that it takes. Um, I just have questions around it. I just, you know, like them, the the people. You know, I've spent years trying to get people to look at all the people that die from addiction, and we, it's been just largely ignored. You know. Yeah. So it's interesting because as a former addict yourself, you talk about addiction as being, you know, so so people, um, people that um, suffer. Uh, from this kind of, you know, the, these eleven point six million deaths mm. are um, what I, I guess what what the what the governments of countries would say that well, the vast majority of people are fine because they drink in moderation. That's their argument. Mm. It, that, so they'll put it on the eleven point six as the ones who couldn't cope that they had addictive personalities that it was their fault. Do you know what I mean? So that's why we like, make addiction a disease, yeah, because yeah, it because yeah. it then rids the people uh, of power, any responsibility. Power. It's yeah. just what well, they just bought. It's nothing to do with the systems that are in place and the, the environment and yeah, the people exactly. that grow up in poverty. And then when you look, by the way, I mean to go off on a tangent with that conversation, when you look at the history of um, the war on drugs <laughs> globally, <laughs> you know what you can trace it back to racism. Yeah, when you start looking at the way that crack was first uh, made, like made highly illegal, mm. it was all based around black people getting crazy on crack and raping women. Mm. That's why they started the war on drugs. Mm. Yeah, mm. rather than looking at any of anything else that was going on. Great book, Yo Johan Harry called Chasing the Scream. When you, so I, I mean, by the way, when I say them deaths preventable i don't think it's about removing alcohol and drugs it's about putting some money into actually looking at what the causes are what the realities of it are and how you tackle it mm. do you mm. know what i mean mm. the other thing that I, I i will say is very interesting is we are all the media and us society humans we're all focused on this. We spent, what, 42 minutes largely talking about this. Yet before last year, all we were talking about in the UK was what? Brexit. Brexit, yeah. Brexit, it's coming. Remainers, Ramonas, 
you yeah. know people that people that want to just you know uh, get out there was them there was us there's the fear that trade will be impacted and there's a pile up in Kent uh, there's talk of like inc- like incredible levies levies on um, people that are trying to sell to mainland Europe that is part of their business part of their business they were told that it's going to be fine yeah there are small businesses who probably voted for brexit that are really struggling yeah and there are others that don't, that didn't we're not talking about it yeah because uh we're focusing on this thing so whilst you know i don't know whether people are um trying to you know stretch out the kind of the recovery of this i will say it is benefiting the government that we're only talking about this mm. in the main and to take that a step further if you look at journalism and the way that it is now if you go back to like the 90s and, and perhaps a little bit you know before that journalism was lots of kind of working class people trying to bring you the truth largely speaking it wasn't a very journalism wasn't a very well paid job you didn't see you know really well off journalists necessarily they were driven by being kind of truth seekers now and all that kind of stuff when you look at journalism now, it's much less about newspapers, right? And it's online. And a lot of people, there's a huge proportion of people now that get fed their news from one app. The Sky News app. For a lot of people, driven by hugely rich and powerful people who get to decide a narrative that they that they put out. I don't, I don't think it's changed much. I, I think the I think the distribution has changed. I think the content has changed. But uh, you know, you still had media barons. In in many ways, they were way more powerful. So Sky News was always Murdoch. M- Murdoch was the Times, and you know, the I think it's the Washington Post. Uh, I think it's either, it's either Washington Times, Washington Post. But you know, he always had the Daily Mail, and they always had a very you know it wasn't always investigative. Not in the nineties, there was some investigative journalism, and there still is investigative journalism. A lot less. What sells now is you know a lot more around clickbait, uh, sensationalism. Yeah, online stuff anyway. But um, yeah, but when you say online stuff anyway, that's where most most people get their information now. People used to get it in, but you say. Um, you know, Sky News, I would say I go to The Guardian. I was reading The Guardian in print before it, you know, before my main source became, uh, you know, the uh, the internet. I don't buy hard copy newspapers anymore, but I was still reading the same thing. So I think you just go to where you were going to go. And of course, you're going to go online because, hey, we don't, you know, we were joking about, it, but we don't use typewriters anymore um, yeah. because, you know, we have computers. Ma- so Macintosh HQs. Macintosh ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so... So I, I don't think it's changed that much. I think papers were always, you know, they always had a leaning in a particular way. But there were um, more of them, though, as well. Like, like, I genuinely think that the news sources now tend to come from, from one space. And journalists are often, like, in canoodling there, with governments. There were more, but there were more publications, possibly, like, you know, there were. And big ones, you know, have folded, What you know, but... But they were still owned by the same media companies. They just they just yeah. got folded because there were, um, uh, you know, you, you you had to reduce 
the number of publications because there wasn't enough revenue coming in from advertising as it used to. Mm. You couldn't fund the people that were in, say, for example, Murdoch in, in Wapping and the, and the printers. So you have to consolidate because it moved to, to uh, online. Yeah. But it was still owned by, you know, it wasn't that there were lots of different independent newspapers that were, you know, there were a few, but I, I, I guess I, I, I'm just saying it hasn't changed as much as... Uh, no, I see, I, 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 think I, I think I still disagree with you a little bit because I also think as well that a lot of people now you're you're um i'm gonna say of a certain privilege but i don't think privilege is the right word but you'll read you'll investigate i reckon there's a huge proportion of society that have the sky news app and just read the headlines and often the headlines are nothing to do with what's in the article yeah so people those clickbait lines that to get you to click on that video yeah or to get you to click on that article and normally, yeah. you know, they're way over dramatic. They're to get you yeah. to click. And I think a lot of people read the headlines and don't read the article. A lot more than people that do. No, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Or, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that um, the mechanisms by which you hook people and the way that you, you distribute that is, is significantly different. All I'm saying is that ultimately, we're saying, you know, we're saying there are... There are it was still con it was still controlled by you know e elite institutions mm. or you know um uh, with a narrative that they wanted to push yeah and that that hasn't changed just the way that people you know people might read a headline now and because of the way that we consume they'll see the headline you'll read it it will go in and then you'll start to kind of just consume that as fact whereas you might have done in the past you might have looked at a headline and gone oh let me have a look at the news but i would say that there was still you know i would say that our attention span has definitely reduced as we've become more digital. We're just like constantly like, you know, scrolling. Yeah. And I think that is, that is definitely, um, that is definitely uh, something that's pushing uh, society, you know, to lean in a particular way. I'd also say one last thing that um, what has, what has influenced the way people behave is, is our computers, algorithms. Mm. That, so, so yeah, you might have, you know, you might have always read a particular paper, but that was a lot of habit. It might have been passed down through generations or whatever. Whereas now you're actually funneled by computers if you show a particular, like if you say you like this or that, and then you suddenly get funneled and you are served that up and you're just served it up over and over and over and over again. Mm. And that's why you had these, these massive divides in big democracies because companies like Facebook, um, Kind of in particular, they're probably the, the the worst of it that pushed you into, uh, you know, a space that really, you know, if you were right, it sort of really pushed you further and further right. If you're left, it kind of pushed you pushed further you. and further left. Yeah. Which is what we talked about, you know, several several times over over the last year. What was your paper of choice, Has? Uh, Evening Standard, because it was free. Uh, <laughs> but now I've always, you know, since I've been about. 18 I've always read The Guardian right might not surprise you no uh, hate hate the sun because I'm a Liverpool fan and um, that's it yeah there used to be a newspaper called Today do you remember Today uh, no okay yeah it might have just been a London paper actually what about what's your newspaper 
I didn't do much. I used to do the crosswords in, when I used to work in the factory, I used to do the crosswords in would have, what would have been the sun. But I never used to, I never used to buy a paper. Nah. You know, it was, phones were pretty much in full swing when I went to, when I went to work. <laughs> You're laughing at me. God. Uh, I do think that I used to get, um, I think I did used to get the, 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 like the Sunday people and stuff on a Sunday for the football pullout. Sunday sport. Yeah. Sunday sport. Yeah. <laughs> There's, it's mad to think that, that there know. used to be a newspaper just with a woman with a top off just printed on Patreon. That was just like, just not long ago. Not long ago at all, man. Yeah. Not long ago at all. Yeah. Crazy, really. Which, mad. which, <laughs> bit of a dodgy segue onto the reasons yeah. to be cheerful. Um, the reasons to be cheerful. That's, uh, can I just say, I've found that quite an uncomfortable conversation today. You did, yeah. Why is that? Because I th- because it's an uncomfortable conversation, and I th- that's why I think it's one that's not being had. Yeah, which is why we make 115 miles, Hass. We didn't get an opportunity to talk about your uncle Joe. Well, we're about to. Oh, he's your reasons to be cheerful. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait for this title. Go, Hass. Shoot. Trump is out. That's my title. That's Trump. my reason to be cheerful. Trump is out. Trump okay. is gone. Trump is gone, yeah. Trump is dead. No, I don't know if he's dead. Sh- uh, should be. Um, <laughs> uh, I know it leaves you without a flatmate. I know you're lonely. That's why you're, you've been probably having lots of conversations with yourself in your head and this was your first chance to let it all out, which is why there was a bit of a rant. But I'm delighted I'm de- absolutely delighted that he's finally out and um I think uh you know the you know we we live in the UK so you might go all well, you know it's this it's the US but the US has such an influence diplomatically uh you know through kind of its uh uh resources through its wealth through its um power and so the last four years I think has been has has really uh, destabilized the globe really mm. and uh, so it's good to have Uncle Joe at the helm uh, with a, an incredibly diverse um, leadership team I think he's done a great job and you know of, of getting to where he's got to there's a lot of work that needs to be done he's more centrist uh, than say a lot of people would like but I think that's what was needed to to, to win the voters and I think that's probably thinking about it that's probably what we're going to need here really you know that's why you know bernie sanders you know everyone loves bernie sanders and you've seen all the memes going around but you know he would never have been you know he's he's a joke uh for you know for a lot of people and sadly even though ideology ideologically he's brilliant so my reasons to be cheerful is uh, a new dawn mm. in the u.s yeah I've, I, I honestly i know i was sort of not fully on board with him but i love the way he's come in and just rewritten a load of bills straight away didn't he and um, yeah. Bernie Saunders mittens Bernie Saunders. I should have done, gone for that I should have gone for uh, you Saunders wear mittens, mittens. Don't you? huh I bet you wear mittens don't you wear present tense yeah I wore mittens back in the day I used to have I, I used to have those um, mittens that would fold over your hands and then you got the fingerless gloves yeah 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 yeah. probably got a pair of those 
did you see the IKEA advert of the chair that he was sat on? No, is that no? Is that yeah, one? The chair's Brilliant. called Bernay or something. Love it. Yeah, good. Eh? Um, my reasons to be cheerful. I'm gonna. Go, it's not a very good one. I don't think. I'm gonna go for the snow day that we had. Uh, I could. You, I know you didn't have one in Brighton, did you? No, no I'm snow. Not, I'm not sort zero of, snow allowed. I'm not digging you in. When we went to bed Saturday night, we was just so hoping it would snow. And I woke up about half five. Sunday morning and there was no snow and then I sort of dozed back off and when I woke up at like 8 it was so deep and we went out on the sleigh and we built uh, I was going to say snow castles we built snowmen uh, it was just amazing mate the kids loved it they were so excited in the morning screaming and stuff like that and you know they deserve it mate I think they deserve it they're the forgotten people in this whole pandemic and I don't like it mm-hmm. makes me angry um and so yeah it was just you don't get angry mate what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's lovely no it's um it's funny how um like we just didn't get anything it was must be the salt air down here in brighton or whatever but uh yeah there was there was no snow so my kids were honestly they were so disappointed because they were like seeing snow everywhere so um yeah no brilliant and just a little bit of a just it's innocent you know, fun. You forget for a minute as kids, like what's going on, and you just have like so much fun. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, snowball fights and that—it was class, mate. Yeah. Really good. Uh, yes, mate. Good way to end. Uh, hopefully, the snow day now will signal a move towards warmer times. Uh, wishful thinking. It's not even February. Yet. That was cheesy. <laughs> cheesy segue. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, it maybe the beginning of a new dawn fucking hell you've dissed my segue and then come in with that that is (laughs) 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 thanks again for listening to 115 miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.